0: every time
2: a proud member of the going and geek network the opinions expressed are those of each individual check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three two one
0: on this week's show halloween takes a stab at the box office is it over for marvel and netflix and does anyone care about the death of department stores All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Cheryl Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. Well, it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the gang leader of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so
3: much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I, uh, I took some time off of Tomb Raider to uh, do this podcast today. So everyone out there, you're welcome. <laughs>
0: such harsh sacrifices i tell you thank you so much rob mccallum is coming up in the middle of the cosmic crossfire he's going to talk about a lot of great pop culture stuff and we're going to get our usual heated arguments and all that good stuff coming up later in the program plus also tyler baker from the fantasy football Pater podcast he is also going to be up later in the show as well talking the nfl we want to make sure before we go ahead and start up We've got to let you know about the Discover Pods Awards. If you can at all, please, it's just a couple minutes of your time. It's nomination time for us. It's ending, I believe, later this week. Please, if you can, just take a couple minutes out of your time and vote for the Pop Culture Cosmos today in the categories of Best Entertainment, Best Society and Culture, and also Best Overall Podcast of 2018. If you do so, we truly appreciate it. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. It means a whole lot to us as far as if we truly get recognized as one of the best podcasts anywhere around. We were nominated last year, and hopefully we will be able to, with your help, get nominated again. And if you do so, you take those couple minutes in time to go ahead and give us a vote. We truly appreciate it. I also want to thank AC123456789623 for going ahead and giving us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. Anytime anybody goes ahead and gives us a five-star review, we will acknowledge that on the show. Five stars right there, it just says it all, and we cannot thank you enough for doing so. First on this week's show, a lot of great things to talk about when it comes to Halloween. It hit big this weekend at the box office, an almost record, almost beating Venom at 77.5 projected right around there when it comes to the domestic box office. Your thoughts on why Halloween has struck well with audiences. People are really getting into it. Solid reviews all around. And really, it looks like a step
3: in the right direction for a possible continuation of the Halloween series. Did you see those memes that, that went out? Because Jamie Lee Curtis has been outspoken in her anti-gun stance. And then someone goes, claims to be anti-gun, but used a shotgun against Michael Myers. And like, well, what do you expect her to use? Her hands? <laughs> no, I did see it, but that's kind of funny. I think this movie's doing so well just because it's something we haven't seen in a long time. You know, how we kind of discussed how that stab em genre was dying. This is something that it, you know, with the exception of filmmakers like Eli Roth.
0: Well, the- I know it just it transitioned away from the stab and... Traditional arc of the horror genre that we've seen for so many years, as far as more of a psychological, more of a towards a a jump scare type format, away from
3: the slasher flicks that we know from from the past. Right. Well, if you think about it, though, with all the shows on like Discovery Channel, Travel Channel, things like that, about people having experiences with the supernatural i think for a while like that was the thing you know that's why the conjuring did so well and you have other haunted house flicks even look at i know we're going to discuss this later but haunting of hill house like people love this the supernatural aspect but i also think that because the slasher genre disappeared for so long you're there's kind of gonna a, a renaissance going on for it. because also look at like the podcasting form you have all the, the serial the podcast about serial killers and stuff like that people are getting back into that and i don't know if podcasts are solely to thank for that but there's also you know a third factor which is nostalgia you have all these people liking these old movies i don't know how predator did i never really looked into the box office numbers but again we have not seen a movie like this in a very long time and the fact that they retconned pretty much the entire franchise except for the first two right or the first one that goes to show you that like this is a trend it could create something like um, who knows maybe we'll get the momentum back behind the alien movies and uh you know neil blomkamp will be able to make the one that he was talking about and became so stoked over but a lot of this i think is just nostalgia and the fact that we haven't seen this kind of movie in a long time and it could also have something to do with the fact that you know venom has been out for a couple weeks already and besides venom there's not really anything else out there that's that's really any good but good for them for me. It was 77 million they made this weekend. Like good for them. That's awesome. I hope that uh, it does merit a sequel. I hope that, you know, all the, the movies that we liked back in the day start coming back and we we see a Renaissance of more properties like this. Just to give you a heads up on the predator, it did about
0: $125 million worldwide, which is not in my opinion, gonna keep that movie going because it almost took, it took almost a hundred million dollars to make. So I don't see a great future for the Predator at this point in time. Maybe right. 10 years down the line they're going to revisit, it, but yeah, at this point in time I think it's pretty much a done deal for that
3: that one, especially now that Disney owns it, so. Yeah, and there's also the fact that these these movies seem to exist on two opposite sides of the social movement though, right? You have your Predator which had Olivia Munn pointed out had a lot of sexism going on, then you had the guy that was that got cut from Predator He's friends with Oh, Black.
0: okay, yeah. That I I don't know what the guy's name was, but yeah, he was he was also somebody. He was one of I think Iron Man three. What he's one of
3: he's a friend, a personal friend of Shane Black. Yeah, and then with Halloween, you have like a a female protagonist that is actually kind of awesome. So it, it's it's good to see that happening. Where Predator is a more like male centric movie. Halloween is can appeal to both audiences, but it has a female protagonist, and that's something that seems to sell movie tickets these days and good for them that it does
0: but it also leads me to believe that there probably will be more installments of the halloween franchise there wasn't a and this is kind of going on a little bit of spoilers territory kind of so maybe you want to turn it down just a little bit there wasn't a uh after credit scene per se but there was actually some sounds of some possible breathing, which could be a sign of life, which could be a sign of that obviously they want to delve into more episodes in the rebooted, like you said, the retcon story of Michael Myers. So we'll have to wait and see. You know, the I think they had a great idea that this was going to do well because it had been such a long time since we've really seen effective version of Michael Myers on screen. Sorry to all those who who are big fans of the Rob Zombie movies and some of the other Halloween movies that came after the original, but it looks like a lot of influence was put into as far as a new version of this Michael Myers story. And I don't think they were just going to do a one shot off of it. So I'm pretty sure that more Halloweens are on the way. Now that Halloween is a big time contender back in the horror genre, your thoughts on revisiting or the most likelihood of a revisiting of, let's say things, let's throw it out there like Nightmare on Elm Street, That will that get retconned and rebooted again? Or maybe uh, Hellraiser or any of the other older type of horror movies that we know from the past that could see new life because of the fact that Halloween and It have both performed so well in
3: successive years. Well, is it okay? So, Hellraiser is still a thing, aren't they? Like, they're let me see, there was a uh, they just released like a straight to DVD one not too long ago, but, but that then one... again,
0: that's what that's what you're saying. That's 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 exactly what I'm saying. Hellraiser for to straight to DVD. I mean, the series has went from a movie that was something that was a first run, first release movie in the films to something that renditions and, and new editions, new iterations are put straight to DVD and almost an afterthought with audiences and maybe just a few thousand people will ever want to see it or ever actually ever get the chance to see it or even possibly enjoy it. And you know, the quality is not there and so on and so forth. With the success of it and now Halloween, I think it's just a matter of time before you're gonna see another reboot of the nightmare on Elm Street series and other series, and that would could that include Hellraiser or even more familiar horror characters
3: from the eighties and nineties era? So I don't know. I don't think that Hellraiser would be a place they're going first, but I could I can like there is a hardcore following out there for nightmare on elm street friday the 13th silence of the lambs like movies like that those those types of franchises psycho even like look at how well the norman bates show did on a e there is a demand for it and i think that this does open the door for that but it also goes to prove that sad old tale that we keep telling that hollywood really doesn't have any original ideas like it's all recycled material so yeah, there's a demand for it, but how long will that demand last? You know, how long until you know, it's kind of the same thing? Because remember with Friday the 13th, they rebooted that and that had um, what's his name from uh, Supernatural in it It had Jared Padalecki, I think was his name. Speaking of in credit scene, that one had had quite an in credit scene where uh, Jason flies out of the water like a dolphin. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. So it, this will definitely it, it could open the door for sure. I, I have no doubt about that but again it's the the whole thing like how long will it last how long will a movie like this be in favor and if somebody does it wrong it really all it takes is one screw up to ruin an entire movement like that so and you know how picky audiences are in modern times like look at the the dc it took them you know man of steel was okay but then they screwed up with batman vs superman and now people have been hesitant to trust them on anything ever since then even though they've had better films come out so it's a It's a risk, and especially with horror movies, it's a huge risk, so I can't even begin to predict where this will go, but it definitely opens the door for more movies like that, more uh, breathing life into old franchises.
0: Child's Play is already coming to USA, like you were saying, Uh, and as far as other ones, could you see another Candyman, or is that maybe not popular enough at that point in time to to get something out there, or like you said, A Silence of the Lambs? I think at some point in time, you will see more and more stuff that we're familiar with. The Scream series that might get rebooted, but you're right, Child's Play is coming to TV and and maybe even that could evolve into another movie series again. I think Hellraiser might be on that fringe of something that might be rebooted, but I, I still think something like that could possibly come to fruition if they're just really searching for 80s and 90s horror icons to come about. But it all starts with the success of It last year and now Halloween, which have both done big time numbers at the box office. Looking forward to seeing more from the horror genre. Children of the Corn could also be something that it's, if it didn't do well enough in Hollywood, it can be rebooted again, right? I, I
3: think Children of Corn w- was rebooted at some point in time. There wasn't Netflix, right? It was working on something like that, and Pet Cemetery is another one.
0: Pet uh, Cemetery, that whole Stephen King's back material, a lot of that is going to be retouched upon and done again. We're seeing
3: reboots of that as well coming up. Yeah, yeah, the the because you, you think about like the ones that spawned so many sequels even something like jeepers creepers i know they just had jeepers creepers 4 or something come out but like all of these all of these franchises are prime but i guarantee you with all with the success of halloween all of these studios that own all of these horror franchises are going to be sitting down in a meeting room at some point within the next couple of months discussing what are the odds that this series or this series can be brought back to life like you said nothing is original Hollywood. If it
0: does strike gold with an old property like Michael Myers and Halloween, with some old characters being reimagined again, along with the side of the Conjuring series and some other familiar names that we've seen that have made their money so far in the recent past, we're also going to be seeing older, more familiar names from the distant past that will revive that hack and slash genre that Many have forgotten about, but many will truly want to love again. What are your thoughts out there on the success of Halloween? Are you happy Michael Myers is stabbing his way through movie screens again? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Before we head to the break, my friend, I just want to ask you real quick, did you read the news in regards to a continuing saga going on with Netflix and Marvel? Luke Cage is the latest show to be put on the chopping block as it unfortunately got canceled after I believe two seasons of the series. Your thoughts on what's going on and is this now a trend? Is Jessica Jones next? Is Daredevil next? Is the whole entire series for Marvel on Netflix, over it. You think it's just a matter of time before every single Marvel series on the queue for Netflix is done? And do you think there will be any more new shows of Marvel entities, Marvel properties? Even The Punisher could be at risk right now. Do you think there's any more future between Marvel and Netflix?
3: No, I don't, because Marvel and Disney have been absolutely clear that they. Are going to let the netflix partnership run its course which is not everyone's uh, saying you know that's they're still going to support they're not what that means at least to me is that they're trying to they're just going to let it run its course there will be no contract renewals for any of that stuff and as they start phasing out they'll absorb those properties back into the fold but the question here is are they going to revive them on the disney streaming service or Are those characters done are the actors done are the uh the iterations of these heroes as we know them done because you know you go back and you look at like netflix and reviews and stuff like that for like iron fist season two significantly better than season one you go to luke cage season two significantly better than season one jessica jones same thing season two significantly better than season one according to critics but again like i i don't see i don't see that show continuing either cuz they have not confirmed that there's going to be a season 3 yet and daredevil is already the third season i'm i think i'm on episode 7 it's getting it's it's amazing it's getting great reviews but you know with daredevil i kind of i don't really see anywhere else that story can go but my hope would be that before they end all of these they'll give us one more season of the defenders just to kind of close out the story on on this you know kind of like the infinity war part 2 do you see them doing something like that because they've been saying that like iron fist he's he will live on and uh, luke cage will live on so i don't know like what what their plans are i hope they give us a some kind of farewell series it's hard to say i i don't see jessica jones living on though i have a feeling that they're going to announce probably again late on a Friday night in a couple weeks. So the media can't make a circus out of it till Monday that Jessica Jones has been canceled. It
0: appears that that's going to be the case, I think, as well with The Punisher not even probably getting a, a season two maybe as well. That that's, that's kind of disappointing to see all these shows getting cut. I think it will lead to a Defenders movie or Defenders TV series for another season I'm not sure if it will be on Netflix or on the new Disney streaming service. It's all going to be a matter of conjecture at this point. I think if Daredevil goes, and I also think if The Punisher goes, both of those, if everything gets wiped off as far as Netflix and Marvel from continuing in the future then I believe at some point in time, we're going to probably see them pop up in a Defender series on the Disney streaming service. I, I think, like you said, at this point, the Netflix-Marvel relationship is beyond repair, and I think it's just a matter of time before we stop seeing any type of new Marvel product on Netflix because of the fact that Disney streaming service is going to have, most likely, a 2019 start date, And if that's the case, that would be in line with maybe a Defenders 2 series or something of that nature where it incorporates all those individuals which you've seen on Netflix moving over to a Disney streaming service. What are your thoughts out there on the Defenders and Netflix Marvel relationship as a whole? Were you disappointed at not only Iron Fist but Luke Cage getting canceled? Do you expect more to happen soon after like we do? Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Coming up next, we've got Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. And then right after, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. And then to close out the show, Josh and I are going to come back. He's going to give a review on Haunting of Hill House on Netflix and does anyone care about the death at department stores? Because the way we shop is changing and a lot of the things we remember so fondly are unfortunately not coming with us. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Bitebrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com that's MiracleFruitOil.com Fighter a Brace. Win with it. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend He is the man who does it all when it comes to Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out everything that's going on when it comes to all of his projects, all of his side stuff, all of his great movies and documentaries, including Box Art, the docuseries coming up. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I have to take a deep breath before I say that one. That is available. It's a long
2: one. It's a long one. We had trouble getting it on the uh, Blu ray for Kickstarter backers.
0: I can imagine. It's almost like a JRPG. But, anyways, that is available now on Netflix. Of course, there's Missing Mom, the kitty documentary, Nintendo Quest, which you can always get on Amazon, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is the namesake himself. It is Rob McCallum. But, Rob, we're here to talk about pop culture, my friend. So pray tell, Rob, what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture?
2: Well, on the action figure front, the New York Comic-Con, Super 7 actually has two figures already out that are available for pre-order right now. Catra and Shira are both there, and if you go to Super 7's website, you can pre-order that. They're expected to be released in January 2019, and they're really faithful to the look and the animation style of the new show. Uh, I'm excited to give it a try. I don't know if I'll love it, but what I find really fascinating because i am in so many different masters of the universe and he groups on facebook is all these you know fans and stuff coming out and there's they say stuff like you know ah oh, this isn't for me this is garbage i can't believe they they, they would wreck my childhood and, and the like or people are saying you know i'm going to give it a chance but ultimately now that i've seen the first trailer i don't think this show is for me well i don't think it's for a 35 to 45 year old male who is you know hung up on collecting action figures and culture from the 80s? This is not for you, not by design. anyways. if you like it, great. The showrunners will be super happy that you're stoked and help spread the word. But this is very much for you know the the tween audience or the the seven to ten or or maybe up to 14 audience where they can get invested with those characters for four to five years and then then call it a day. Be interesting to see how many seasons uh, DreamWorks and Netflix can cook up, if they can get up to four seasons. I think Voltron, Voltron's up to three now. The How to Train Your Dragon stuff, I think, is up to four or five. So those are really good indicators where, where this might go. I think the humor's funny. I think it's they've made some really interesting choices where everybody actually knows that Adora is She-Ra. And so it's not a secret that only a few people know see how that plays out. I think Hordak has a really great design to him. I'd really like to see how they play with the evil Horde as a, as a whole. And they stick pretty close to the origin story in the original film of The Secret Sword, which uh, Dora discovers that, you know, she's been under the spell of Hordak and Shadow Weaver and ha- ultimately has to take up the mantle of She-Ra. So all that's very interesting and, and pretty close to, to what we expect, but they handle it a lot differently. And it's great to see the princesses of power and everybody get the official princess title. I wonder if that was a marketing decision instead of them actually all being princesses, but they all have very different body shapes unlike the filmation cartoon. They all have very different ethnic and cultural backgrounds unlike the filmation cartoon. So again, we're making some very uh, smart choices, I think representative uh, choices of where we are in the 21st century, and I think that's really great to see and I for those reasons alone I hope it is a hit for, you know, young women everywhere. Or, girls as they become young women and, and understand what those uh, ideals mean going forward as they become uh, young adults we're agreeing way too much my friend because i cannot agree with you anymore than that. <laughs> well I'm, I'm really excited so we'll have to kind of swing back the next time we record to see how your how your daughters who are at that ripe age for Shira to see how they like it and you know uh, i'll be coming We'll be traveling back the weekend that that it drops. We'll be doing a little bit of travel on the weekend of the 16th of November when all the episodes drop on Netflix. But hopefully we can record soon after to see what they think of actually watching a few episodes and not just the trailer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll have them check it out, and hopefully they can get a better idea of what to
2: watch. The next segment is the last of the Cosmic Crossfire this week. Like I said, I promised a packed show, and here we are. But I call this next segment Big Deal. I'm not sure they're a big deal or not. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Venom opens big. Is this a big deal?
0: I think it is because the fact that not only is it the largest opening in October for a film domestically here in the United States and it beat it by a wide margin over gravity, it does set a precedent for a movie that has really bad reviews. And like I said before in our previous conversation on this, that it's just a matter of people really wanting to go ahead and be a part of a big movie event whether or not the movie was screened bad by critics or not i think they were just going to go ahead at least in the first weekend support it to the t and it exceeded expectations so yes i think it is a very big deal because it looks like it's going to go ahead and propel this whole side spider-verse it's not actually a full-on spider-verse yet because they only hinted at one character that's related to in the spider-verse outside of venom in the movie it really didn't delve much into the spider verse as a whole or Spider Man at all or the Marvel Cinematic Universe or any of that. They only really kept it contained within Venom and only at the very end did they actually hint at something else in the spider verse. So I think it is a really big deal whether or not it will sustain that and a star is born will make up for it domestically because I think in the long run. A Star is Born is going to have the longer legs. It is going to get the Oscar buzz, and it's going to get a lot of money during the week that Venom may not be getting. So that may even out over the longer period. Well, I mean,
2: A Star is Born could get a second theatrical release if they get Oscar nominations for Lady Gaga, which is what a lot of people are saying. I mean, ultimately, I think Venom's going to probably make more money, but more buzz will come from the Lady Gaga film. To me, this wasn't a big deal. I mean, I thought Venom opened actually like three weeks ago, and then I just saw that they made eighty million. I go eighty million on week three. That's that's pretty good for a superhero film. But a character who's the one of the arch nemesis of Spider-Man, but Spider-Man's not in it. Save, I guess, you know, a single kind of flashback shot. I wasn't a fan of the trailers. I'm glad that they're taking it away from Spider-Man. And there's been actually a few articles I've seen out there that talk about why Venom is better not including Spider-Man. And uh, you know, reading some of those has been an interesting trip just to see what, what makes the character so popular outside of just being the big bad version of, of Spider-Man. So that's cool. I guess it's good and a big deal that another superhero film that isn't Warner or Disney has done well, save Spider-Man, which was a you know, Sony property, of course. But to to me, this isn't a big deal because it's still just another superhero film and it means we're going to get more of them which I don't think is necessary and maybe actually a little harmful. So unless they're going to do something really groundbreaking with the torch that they have now and the responsibility to create more films, I just, I don't think it's a big deal. So it's not a big deal for me. It's a big deal for you.
0: Well, at least we finally disagree about something.
2: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't end the show on any other note. That has been the cosmic crossfire. Thanks for listening. And I'm glad everybody out there agrees with me and disagrees with Gerald. Yada, yada, yada. Thank you very much.
0: If you have any questions for Rob or me, or any comments, hopefully you keep them nice, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, or you can send us nice things or respectful things to us at popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, GameSource, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And at Twitter, Rob is at McZob. And of course, we're also Pop Culture Cosmos, like I said, on Twitter as well. So Rob, it's been a great time talking to you as always. Finally got to disagree on a couple things out there. Still stay in agreement on a little bit too much for my flavor, but hey, we'll do better next time and to try to disagree a little bit more here in the Cosmic Crossfire.
2: Oh, excellent. Until then, my friend.
0: Until then, it's always great talking to you and always having you a part of the Cosmic Crossfire right here on the Pop culture. Cosmos.
2: Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docu series from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop. Culture projects from Rob McCallum and Pyre Productions.
0: And we're back with the show. He is the guru of fantasy football. You gotta check him out today on his fantasy football pater podcast Facebook group, where he just doles out the wisdom each and every week when people ask about lineup changes, waiver wires, trades, and so much more when it comes to fantasy football. It is my good friend. It is Tyler Baker.
1: Yeah, not not huge fantasy performances. There were a couple, uh, but there were some really good games today. And uh, did did
0: you get to watch some football? I did, I did, but... I did get to see the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and I'll tell oh, you Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a situation that goes from bad to worse. Yeah. Because they brought Derek Anderson pretty much off the street to come in and start because they had so much confidence in Nathan Peterman. And he goes out and he throws three interceptions. You know what, my friend? I think we need to start a petition. Bring Nathan Peterman back into Or, excuse me, I'm sorry, Nate Peterman back into the starting lineup right now for the Buffalo Bills. (laughs) Well,
1: uh, with Anderson, you get about half as many picks as you would with Peterman. Um,
0: But that's not the point. It's good comedy, man. With (laughs) Nate Peterman out there, he is doing such an incredible job of throwing it to the other team. You've got to be impressed by it.
1: Yeah, and and uh, losing LaShawn McCoy early in this game certainly didn't help the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I will say for fantasy purposes, um, Anderson did play with Kelvin Benjamin uh, back in Carolina. And so Kelvin Benjamin uh, actually put up okay numbers today, four for 71. Um, that connection might be there. But I don't think you're ever going to feel comfortable about, for fantasy purposes, playing any part of this Buffalo offense at all in fact if you can manage to get a defense off the waiver wire that is playing buffalo which i did this week i picked up indianapolis's defense everywhere i could uh, that's going to pay off well for you so there is some fantasy value in buffalo but it's the defenses that are going to play buffalo where you're going to find that fantasy value the ineptness
0: continues my Mm -hmm. friend yeah but that like i said it's to your advantage be smart out there. If you see you can pick up a good defense that's going to play the Buffalo Bills or even a halfway good defense. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a good defense. <laughs> right, right. Just any type of defense these days can just really take command of the Buffalo Bills. Well, we shouldn't say that because the one time they did perform perform well was against the Minnesota Vikings.
1: Yes, you're right. And that was one of those games that the momentum and we talked about this, the momentum just rolled over the Vikings and they just it it rolled the Viking ship over and there was nothing that they could do about it. Uh but I don't think I think that was a fluke and I don't think you're gonna see very much of that from the Buffalo Bills.
0: No, it was kind of it was kind of like an aberration and that one and only time, but I expect nothing but bad things going forward for the Bills as long as they put Derek Anderson or our friend Nathan Peterman in the starting lineup. It really doesn't matter who they put in there right now. They're just not really doing any, anything good. I feel bad for LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Hopefully he will get to be traded to a more productive team and given a better option. I know you and I spoke about that in a previous episode. So definitely looking forward to hopefully by the uh, training Trade deadline, see him move to a better opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised. And there are teams out there that
1: uh, are uh, putting feelers out for receivers. Um, you know, so if they wanted to even move Calvin Benjamin, it's in the Buffalo Bills' best interest to accumulate as many draft picks as they can and completely embrace a rebuild.
0: Another great week coming up, week eight in the NFL. Any Last minute advice uh, you know for the rest of the week that people need to think about regarding their fantasy football team in order to go ahead and meet week eight head on and be able to take upon their challenge. Sure. Well,
1: we'll talk about some of the matchups on Friday, but it's it's like you said, look ahead, and if you have. Multiple starters that have the same bye week, you need to start planning for that. Maybe you can pull off a trade. Maybe you can make sure that you have some depth that you're comfortable with on your roster. But look a couple weeks ahead. We'll have four teams this week, but then six the next week. So just look ahead. And you know what? You can get on the Facebook group and you can join it and post up there, or you can just send a direct message if you're scared that somebody will see your strategy, which that happens. But you know what? I don't I don't try to tell people what to do with their team. I just spend a lot of time watching film and I spend a lot of time reading reports and I don't like all this information to sit in my head idle. So I'm always happy to take some time and help someone with their fantasy team. And yeah, Gerald, I, I think we've been doing a pretty good job this year of, of letting people know what's going on and you know, pointing out some pitfalls and and speculating on some players that are in a good position to expand their role. So yeah, I'm I'm proud of what we've done so far and looking forward to continuing the season with you my friend i'm
0: looking forward to continuing it with you as well although the only bad advice he gives out there is just to me when he dms me on the week we <laughs> match up against each other <laughs> telling me to go ahead and pick up any buffalo quarterback and i really don't understand what he means by that but you know what <laughs> I, I'm, I'm one of these days I, if we match up again with each other in our league i just <laughs>
1: Lies, all lies, all lies. But I'll tell you what the truth is. The truth is that the Redskins whooped up on the Cowboys. That's the truth.
0: (laughs) I've been waiting for you to bring that up, my friend.
1: I try not to be a homer. I try not to focus on the Redskins. But what we saw tonight, if you can stop Zeke Elliott, you can stop the Cowboys. And the Redskins shut down down Zeke Elliott. Now, Dak Prescott definitely got some uh, some room to run, but Zeke Elliott did not, and that's how you beat the Cowboys. That yeah. and a funky call on a field goal, but, y- you know, whatever. A win's a win.
0: A win is a win. As long as it's not a tie, I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> like the ties. Cleveland
1: Browns, what have they been in, like, four or five ties this year? It's insane.
0: Yeah, overtimes, just, yeah, they seem to love it. I don't know why. Just ties, I just can't handle fantasy football owners will have to dump possibly some very productive players in order to Mm -hmm. pick up some players. So if you've got maybe a spot or two on your bench, you could fill it up with a nice player that could help you going forward.
1: Yeah, you always want to check on Wednesday after the waivers go through, see who got dumped. I actually had to dump Austin Hooper in a league. Austin Hooper, and there was another pretty decent player that I had to drop um, because, one, my roster is – at least in this particular league is pretty stacked. And so, uh, but you never know who's going to hit the waiver wire. Um, Also, it's worth noting there were some injuries this week. Um, none of them look too serious except for the Sony Michelle injury. That looks like, I think best case scenario, it's going to be a couple of weeks, but he could be out for the year. Um, the, the camera view that I saw was kind of obstructed, but it looks like his knee got twisted up really bad. This is the same knee that he had um, ACL reconstruction surgery in 2011 and the same knee that they had to have a drain or a scope or whatever they did um, that kept him out of the entire preseason. So, this does not look good. Um, you know, uh, at some point in the week, I'm, I'm assuming tomorrow, they're going to have an MRI done. Now, the Patriots like to keep things really close to the vest. I would expect that we might not hear anything. It could be till Thursday, um, but they are going to have to uh, perform an MRI on it. Um, I'm not expecting good news. Um, like I said, best case scenario, I think it's going to be a couple weeks. Um, but so if you were relying on Sonny Michelle, which I have in a couple leagues, um, I don't think that there's going to be a plug and play, um, uh, solution already on the Patriots. Um, Kenyon Barner is, you know, a good enough player, but he's not just going to step into that role. I think you're going to see a lot more of James White. Um, they could even give Mike Gillisley a call. Mike Gillisley played with him last year and is not currently on a team. So, uh, the Patriots, after after losing Burkhead and now a pretty serious injury to Michelle, um, you know, the Patriots are going to do what they do and adapt and still win games. But if you have um, Michelle on your uh, roster, I would not drop him until you find out that it's season ending. But you might want to start making arrangements to. Uh, uh at least find a way to replace him on your team if you can.
0: Another injury that also popped this uh, that another injury that also popped up this week was in Oakland. And we just talked about briefly what was going on there with Marshawn Lynch. We mm-hmm. don't know for sure how bad or the extent of the injury is, but at least two weeks from what I'm able to ascertain could be a possibly Season-ending injury, but we're not entirely sure because they have not put him, in, they've not put him on IR as of yet.
1: Yeah, the last I read, it was expected to be a month, um, and then I read another report uh, that said that he might end up on IR. So you know, <laughs> best case scenario, a month; worst case, uh, IR. And and at this point, you're probably looking for replacement uh, there as well. Now. Um, this is a situation where I think Doug Martin could come in and pretty much mimic that workload. Um, so, you know, that is maybe a, you know, a plug and play option from the waiver wire that, that you could get with Doug Martin. Um, we will want to hear uh, before we completely drop him, but it doesn't look good so far.
0: No, and, it doesn't. And, and I know there's, there's some other injuries you wanted to touch on as well.
1: Yeah, well, none of them serious. I I mean, you had a couple guys leave games today, but I don't, uh, from what I'm seeing early on, it it doesn't look like LaShawn McCoy is going to miss significant time. Bla Pau had a neck injury, but I don't know how long that's going to last. Kiki Cutie left with a hamstring. We know how hamstrings can be a little tricky. Um, I think Albert Wilson left with an injury. I mean, so, you know, there were some guys that got hurt, uh, but not to the, um, extent of Sonya Michelle and Marshawn Lynch.
0: I will say this on, on, as far as a lot of people are liking our shows, a lot of downloads, a lot of listens for you, just truly a credit to your knowledge and your experience with the fantasy football game. In fact, we had a comment on our PCC multiverse last week someone commented that the show was i guess i'll paraphrase it good spit and i'll tell you you know i'll let you get take an idea of exactly what the <laughs> fit needs to be replaced with as far as it's concerned but hey right to on. whoever gave us that comment and i uh, that individual I, I reached out to i just really appreciate you think his stuff is good i'll take it anytime no matter what you want to call it if you say it's great that's fine, <laughs> fine by me
1: <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's good to hear.
0: Yeah, I just put the comment there on social media, good blank, <laughs> and I was like, there you go. I like that comment. That's fine. By me. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, on the Pop Culture Cosmos show on the PC multiverse and the Fancy Football Pater podcast. That should be like, you know, like you have movies, the critics, you know, and they put those critics sayings and whatnot this, critic, yeah. said this. this <laughs> critic said that for the pop culture cosmos fantasy football Painter podcast the pcc multiverse good blank all right there you go i like it that'll read well <laughs> it does indeed it does indeed it's like the back of the dvd box but anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> my friend it's been great talking to you as always another blessed week for everyone out there in fantasy football for week eight in the nfl keep an eye on those waiver wires, everyone. I'm telling you, you need to go ahead and see who, not only what you can pick up, but who did people drop mm-hmm. that they're trying to get under the radar so that they can pick them up at a later time that you may be able to sneak in on it first. Mm-hmm. That's right, my friend. So, all the best to you this week, except when you're playing me. I don't think you're playing <laughs> me this week. So that's good. That's good. But all the best to you, my friend. And uh, thank you so much for being part of the show part of the program, part of the pop culture cosmos, and of course, a part of the fantasy football Pater podcast.
3: We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show, we have heavy metal, comic books, video games, movies, theme parks,
2: and more. Wait, 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 comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does.
0: All of us metal geeks can be found at metalgeeks.net.
2: At Metal Geeks for Twitter. Metal Geeks on Instagram.
3: And Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on
2: iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks.
0: And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Once again, I want to thank Rob McCallum of Rob McCallum Films for stepping in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. And also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Catch both of these shows in their entirety on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast outlets, where you can catch this show, the PCC Multiverse, and a ton of other great programming as well. But if you want to check out our shows on radio, we've got an entire listing of all of our radio shows available now. You can check it out on our pop culture cosmos and game source facebook pages where you can also get the link to the discover pod nominations and hopefully nominate us for the best society and culture podcast best entertainment podcast and also and the best overall podcast of 2018 and if you do so we truly appreciate it josh i know you got a great thing going on with humanica media show so man lay it on me man so lay it on me man What's going on with Humanic Media?
3: Topic is going on with Humanic Media. Um, also, there's a new episode of the PCC Games Cast going up uh, tomorrow. I want to say, and that'll be available on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. So check that out. Also on Monday, check out a new episode of Topicocalypse. and uh, listen to us on the Podcast Radio Network uh, this Tuesday, assuming the shows go on as planned. If it does go on as planned, it'll go on at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m.
0: Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. Josh, before we head on out, a couple last things. I know you wanted to give your take on Netflix's, one of their hottest shows that's out there. It's called The Haunting of Hill House. Your thoughts on the series and if it's something that people should really get into and people should enjoy this Halloween.
3: Okay, so I went into this show, I, I just wanted to watch something that had something scary. In, and I I had heard mixed, not mixed reviews, but I had heard mixed things about it. Everyone, people are saying, you know, it, they're all reviews in progress. Or like, is it a psychological show? Are the ghosts real? What's going on here? Just to give you a little background on the show, these kids grew up in a haunted house, ha- uh, allegedly, it, well, I don't want to spoil it for you. But these kids grew up in what's uh, what was called the most one of the most haunted houses in America called Hill House. The psychological effects on these kids of growing up in a haunted house and what it's done to them, what it's currently doing to them, and of course they eventually return to the house and it does a lot of time jumps, so it shows like the things the kids encountered as kids and how those have ghosts have kind of followed them and at first, the ghosts feel metaphorical and uh kind of just in their heads, but then you kind of as the show goes on, you find out that the ghosts i don't okay I, I'm not going to spoil anything spoiler spoilers. Spoilers aside, we're not going to talk about that. But no, it's a good show. It's it's really well written, and the actors they're they're very they're not known actors. I know the the oldest brother was in something. He plays the kid who wrote about the Haunted House, and all of his siblings hate him for it because they're kind of they called it blood money. He's making money off of their tragedies as kids. But I know he's been in a couple Netflix movies. But it's it's really good. The writing's really good. The cinematography is amazing, and especially if you're watching on a four K TV, it feels. Like it's right there in your living room. Like you're you're there, you're
2: in it. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Josh,
0: been a great episode. Cannot thank you enough for sitting in, my friend. I also want to acknowledge this past week was also another... Disappointing week for those who have childhood memories like you and I of of days gone by with, with certain things like we've seen already this year with Toys R Us. And now Sears, Sears, which filed bankruptcy, unfortunately, closing probably, uh, if not all the stores here in the near future, they're going to be closing even more than the several hundred to a couple thousand that they had already over the past, what, two years they've, they've been closing their stores. They also own Kmart, so the Kmart has been closing down their stores as well. I have some fond memories of Sears back when I was a kid, that being for many years at the time, the leading retailer on the face of the planet, but unfortunately it couldn't get in tune with what was coming up with Walmart, Target, Best Buy, and now Amazon being the new face of retail. Your thoughts on the death or the impending death, unless they can find some real cash real soon with
3: Kmart and Sears. It is sad. I I too have fond memories of Sears. I remember my my parents would go in there to buy, or my dad would go in there to buy tools. My mom would go in there to look at uh, appliances and stuff like that. And yeah, this was before uh, Best Buy was a big thing. But I do remember that they had a special counter in Sears where they had video games. So you can go in there and they had you know the glass cabinets and they had tvs with a little like you could pick up the controllers and play the latest uh sonic the hedgehog or super mario i what did i get there i got um i want to say i got virtue fighter there and then when playstation came out i bought croc there and it, yeah that was always my favorite part of going into that store and like yeah they had clothes and all and shoes and all that so like you could literally buy anything in there like that was almost an entire shopping mall in one place it makes me sad, yeah, that we're losing department stores. I don't know how much longer JC Penney's gonna be around or uh, Robinson's May, I don't know if they're still a thing, or Macy's, but even like, I know Target has been putting a lot of money into remodeling because they're trying to lure people back into their stores. Uh, it's just, it, it's sad to see. And you know, the funny thing with Amazon is that they are, people do prefer to buy things off of them and you know, the Prime is a good deal and all that, but by the time you pay for you know shipping not sh- well ship the taxes and fees and all that stuff you are essentially paying what you would pay in a store for for these products so it's I don't know I don't want to go as far to say that it it's people should shop elsewhere but it's like it you got to think about the price is it is the convenience worth you know losing all these these stores where you go to do your Christmas shopping and stuff like that so that that's just where I stand but I did read a rumor about Toys R Us coming back. Did you see anything about that?
0: Yeah, the people who are trying to start it back up, they are not going to probably be able to get the naming rights to Toys R Us. So they're trying to create something like Jeffrey's Toy Box, I think was the latest scenario, which doesn't quite have that ring to it. So it's already off on the wrong foot yeah i mean you need the toys r us name for it that's just my opinion and also the likeness of jeffrey but if you gave me one or the other i i would say you need the toys r us brand name because people are so familiar with it my recollections as a small kid going downstairs to the bottom floor of my local sears at that point in time in torrance california i loved going to the arcade area there that they had on the side like you said they also had later on in the 90s they had a video game specialty area where you could just go ahead and try and play games all day there too as well. I remember I remember doing that. It, just, it was just so fun to be a part of the Sears experience and understand where they were and what they were at one time as a retail giant. I remember the Sears catalog being so huge and going through it and trying to pick out stuff that I kind of liked that I would tell my parents and they would kind of ignore me to say, you know, say, yeah, can't do that, son can't do that, son. But okay. That's okay. That's okay. But anyways, it's just very sad when another part of our lives, nostalgia that it seems to be going away as you know, Sears and Kmart with such heavy debt. And I think I heard correctly that the last time they turned a profit was 2011. So when well, they went into bankruptcy, but I don't foresee them getting much in the way of help or much in the way of long-standing funding for them to not only just survive, but to try and thrive, unless they can totally reformat who they are, and because what what they're doing now is not working, and what they're doing now against the WalMarts, the Targets, the Amazons of the world, is it's just it's just not working, and it's just not working for many reasons, whether it's cost, whether it's availability, whether it's outdated styles, what have you. It's just. They're not able to go ahead and, and face the challenge because they didn't modernize with the times. I was once, way back when, uh, in you know, one of the people responsible for a large part of a Montgomery Wards. And you can see at that point in time during the turn of this century how much they were resistant to change and the adaptation of what was going on in the world as Walmart was just starting to get a nice foothold in our economy. And you can see that their end was going to be shortly lived. And unfortunately for them, it was. And this seems to be something that Sears and Kmart are following soon after. Toys R Us has followed it already. And I don't know, at this point in time, it just looks very sad for those of us who have such fond memories of being part of these great and storied histories of Toys R Us, Sears, Kmart, JCPenney, like you said, And, and others, possibly even at some point in time, GameStop as well, because that could really see a, a lot of issues down the road because the fact there's so much digital spending going on and not as many
3: people are going out and shopping into stores. True. I think that this also creates a problem with malls, though. Like, what's going to happen to malls? Because soon they're all going to become just husks. You know, you're, you're going to... Like the one down by me in, in Westminster, it has a Target and a JCPenney's, and that's really the the big things on the outside everything else where there's like macy's and uh sears they're they're just empty buildings so and and even still you go inside and you have you know you have some anime stores you have a GameStop, you have a a food court and uh vans but other than that like the a whole in the mall they they knocked out a whole like area of shops and just put a a gigantic john's pizza which is like a pizza place slash theme park indoors so there's not a lot of stores left in malls anymore you know and it's it's sad because i just that was the culture i grew up in and it's it's slowly disappearing and i i don't know man i sometimes feel like it is really difficult for uh you know people like us to to look back on i mean you you're around the arcade era and i i don't remember much of that but like i i do wish i kind of was around to see that but like it's just it's hard with this just seeing where, where retail is going and where, uh, services are going. And you just don't, it's, it's vanishing and it makes me sad. And even, even still like, I, I don't think customer service is something you get a lot of nowadays either. I don't think that the kids coming up can work those jobs because it's all, it's all about me. They can't be bothered. Like there's a whole meme culture on, people who work in like retail stores raging against customers. So just it's not just the, the retail landscape that's changing, it's it's people. And I don't think that places like Sears, JCPenney's, Toys R Us, Best Buy even can survive in this new, I don't know, this new era, I guess.
0: The digital shopping age has it, my friend. And unfortunately, we're going to have to get used to it because the future for many brick and mortar stores does not look good. What are your thoughts out there on the possible death of sears and kmart share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos humanica media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well josh before we head on out one last thing my friend we had a discussion the other day on uh, one of our previous episodes on the nightmare before christmas as it hits 25 i just spent some time at disneyland and i'll tell you what Yes, there were a lot of offerings of a Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, there was actual attractions, a lot of stuff to buy, a lot of stuff to get. But the biggest thing that made impressions the biggest thing that made an impression to me, was the fact that there were a lot of people that were there. And yes, I know the time of year and whatnot, but there were a lot of people there that were just hanging around, just going all over, wearing a whole bunch of Jack Skellington and a whole bunch of a Nightmare Before Christmas out, you know christmas shirts clothing what have you and to see that kind of love for something like i had said did not even make a hundred million dollars worldwide because it didn't even go worldwide and it just was only a u.s domestic release and it wasn't even a great it wasn't even a great success at that to see the cult status that is reached because of it is just truly outstanding and amazing and it is, and it is just a well-deserved twenty-fifth anniversary for a Nightmare Before Christmas.
3: Yeah, that you were. This is the time of year, Halloween. There, probably, did you go into the haunted mansion and see the the Night Before Christmas makeover? Yeah, it, absolutely.
0: Yeah. But it's just the fact that everybody there, and it wasn't the part where we didn't go to the actual Halloween part of the actual park where they were where they turned into a Halloween themed area. We were there for the general two days of you know park hopper all that and to see the amount of people showing their love for a nightmare before christmas it was truly on for a film that many said couldn't many said that didn't eventually could and
3: eventually did yeah it's true um I, I sometimes wonder if they'll ever think about going back and making a sequel or if that's kind of become hallowed ground you know
0: uh, I think with that one, I I think you got to watch your really. Good, I think there's really a. I think you have to really watch your step on that one because if term unless Tim Burton decides to go back into it and really have a passion for it, I really think it's something you might want to avoid doing because it's going to ruin a lot for. It's going to it's going to ruin it a lot for people. Maybe if it's done like a TV special, TV series, but not a full fledged sequel type movie, maybe. A Christmas special, the Halloween special type deal, maybe you could get away with that but a full-fledged sequel on the big screen, I'm not so sure that would fly unless you have all the support you can from Tim Burton on this so that's just my opinion so for Josh Peterson this is Gerald Glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself agree Damn. you're listening to a weebie geeks network podcast
2: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
3: Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com.